The day is already off to a great start. Spent a couple hours with Amanda Serrano uh, here this afternoon, the greatest women's boxer of all time. And she's got a big fight coming up February 4th at the Hulu Theater. Uh, we uh, got the pretzels, some Not of This World pretzel. I'm going to abuse them a little bit later on in the show. And we've got the Giants and Eagles. Uh, and uh, everyone's jockeying right now for a little taste touch of gamesmanship. This guy's playing. That guy's not on the injury report. The Eagles are cheaters when it comes to kicking field goals and moving the ball forward on fourth and inches and third and inches. And then we learned earlier today that the New York Jets season was as bad of a soap opera as we have had here in a very, very Long time, lots to get to, plenty of time to do it. Good afternoon, Evan. How are you today, kid? I'm all right. Yeah? Yeah. Just all right? Feeling good. Oh, if you're not loving the air you're breathing these days, then you're not a New Yorker. No, Let's you're right. Go. I was actually at the Garden last night. had a great night watching fun basketball for two yeah. and a half hours. That was a yeah, great sure. time. Sure, a great time at the Garden watching the Knicks lose. Three, uh, great, 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 great. <laughs> you great, ask great. me how I'm doing, I did great. I'm doing fantastic right now. I experienced right New York sports last Evan, night. It was I fun. am 48 hours away from giant playoff football, and while I'm getting there and getting excited for it I got a gift from the heavens today I got insight as to the train wreck that is the New York Jets <laughs> Woo! and here's the troubling thing about it and I know a lot of you view it as a positive if you haven't read it because it's a subscription article in the athletic I don't get the athletic either. So did you read it? Yeah, I had someone send it to me. <laughs> what do you think about this? Because uh, I don't believe in paying for uh, sports news. I hate it conceptually. That being said, uh, the gist of this article that uh, came out of the athletic today about the uh, Jets season and the dysfunction and the Elijah Moore stuff and the Zach stuff and really a very well written, very well researched, it seems, article of I accept all of it as the gospel. And I think I'm going to. The takeaway, which is troubling to me, is that the author makes an attempt to make Robert Sala look like Mahatma Gandhi. Yes. Right? That was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah. like that without the great stewardship and leadership of Robert Sala and putting out multiple fires seemingly every single week. Uh, this thing would have, uh, you know, exploded at yeah, some point. The, this the year. other story is that Lafleur is an idiot. That's the other thing I took out of this. Uh, it seems like that. Uh, His it also offense seems is like too complicated. Yeah, I don't buy he that, didn't though. treat Zach Wilson the way Zach needed to be treated. Oh, cut with what? Things of that variety. Yeah, listen, I will say this: uh, Lafleur has one good uh, fight, and I think it's a fight that he would win. You can't tell me my offense was too complicated or that I was the problem when other people executed my offense at at least, to be fair, unacceptable rate. Oh, dude, every other quarterback not named Zach Wilson played the position better. Right. And we're not just talking about Mike White. We're talking about Josh Johnson, the brief period of time he played. We're talking about Joe Flacco. So, right. yeah, when we saw others executing his West Coast offense, we saw other guys doing a better job. Yeah. Now, the now thing we know LaFleur felt that way, but guess what? We have eyes. We watched this the last few years. We saw the exact same thing. Yeah, he's right about that. I mean, we could obviously take shots at him and the offense sucking and all that, and uh, he ultimately paid the price for that, and I think most of us accept that, that we're okay with it. 
you know, now go out and get a competent, you know, proven offensive coordinator like Nathaniel Hackett. Or Greg or, Roman, who just yep. became available a mere hour ago yep. when the Baltimore Ravens did one of those mutual breakup things. Peace out. Right. The last time the Ravens did that, Giant fans, was two years ago or a year ago with Wink Martindale. And that has paid major dividends for the New York Giants. How did that work It may only be a one year of dividends, uh, but I loved what Wink Martindale said yesterday. This is not a jump, uh, uh, whatever you say, um, uh, a stepping stone. This is a destination. Now, he's got, he's meeting the Colts on Sunday night. Yeah, he's full of crap. Right. So <laughs> what are you talking he, about? If he gets an offer as a head coach, he'd be stupid and not to way, take it. by the way, no one blames Wink Martindale for yeah, doing that. Like, yeah. he deserves a head coaching opportunity. He's interviewed for head coaching jobs for years. He's a damn good defensive coordinator. Right. We've seen the work he's done here. So if he wants to use it as a stepping stone, God bless him. Yeah. Now, listen, truth be told, if I'm the New York Giants, and I apologize for jumping Jets to Giants. We should stay focused, but fair enough. If I'm the New York Giants, I go to Wink Martindale and say, listen, you're never going to be the head coach here because Brian Dable should be here a long time, but we're going to pay you like a head That's coach. what you try to do. Yeah. I'll give you $5 million yep. bucks here. I mean, I'm making up yep. numbers here. Oh, you're right. But he is that good. And to me, I recognize if you ultimately want to be a head coach, no one should stand your way, nor can they. Mm-hmm. And I'd respect that. Go be a head coach, and we'd wish you well because we appreciate what you did. But if I'm John Mara and Steve Tisch... I would say to him, five years, five million a year, one we'd like thing. you to stay. Great idea. There's a thing you add to that. All right. The team that's interviewing him, so in this case, I think the Colts are interested. Sunday I'm not night, sure yeah. who else. Yeah. You talk trash about the Colts. You say, you don't want that. Do you really want to play for that? You want to do this? You want to run that? Fair enough. The owner hired Jeff Saturday. Like, you make it so that yeah. you don't want to go find a bad head coaching job because if you take a bad job and you don't succeed, it sullies your resume. I, listen, I'm with you in lockstep on that, and I think you can make him an offer. We know they can afford it, and I would say we don't want Wick Martindale to be a one-and-done. I mean, he's great at what he does, and there's no guarantee he's going to be a great head coach. We've seen that story too many times. I make him the assistant head coach, associate head coach, which means nothing. And you pay him four or five million bucks a year. That's what means something. Yeah. Adding those zeros to the paycheck. And, and that's it. I, that being said, you've got the Giants getting ready for the Eagles. Uh, Lane Johnson's playing in this game. Uh, he's got a, it was a torn abductor. I don't I don't know what it is. I know his groin's after. He up. says it's a groin issue. So right, which means this is a game for Kayvon Thibodeau to uh, make his presence felt because he's the guy that's going to be coming off that left edge, which mm-hmm. is the right side of the Eagle line. And as I understand it, the thing that will be problematic for a guy with that injury is that step to the right. It's willing to block a, a, you know, a defensive tackle or an alignment coming straight up at you, as I've been told. But if Thibodeau comes around the side and you make him have to extend his leg out and turn, that's where that injury becomes a problem for him. So if you want to have a huge playoff game as a rookie and shut everybody up, about your offensive snow angels while Nick Foles was writhing in pain next to you. This is Kayvon Thibodeau's day. Or night. I think he's gonna be I think he's a huge in theory, huge part of this if game. This injury is gonna greatly affect him in theory because the truth is Lane Johnson is awesome when he's healthy. He is a Hall I of mean, Fame right tackle. Yeah, so like 
That's the weird thing when you look at these injuries. We don't know how much it's going to affect him. I think we know he's like, hurt, though. Of course, he's not 100%. But does Lane Johnson turn into Winston Justice? Not necessarily. Right, right. Now, right. I'm not saying he's the same guy who basically never allows pressures, but that's the unknown going into this. What I do know is that the giant offensive line is going to be tested because that Eagle pass rush is a pain in the ass. I think they had 70 sacks this year. They not 60 only sacks. had 70 sacks, Craig, which led the league. Yeah. But the team with the second most sacks in the NFL had 55. They ran away with it. They had four guys in double digits in sacks. There were only 19 guys in the entire NFL who reached double digits in sacks. So, really, the thing I would fear the most going into this game is the test that this giant offensive line is going to face. Maybe not Andrew Thomas because he's been brilliant. Sure. Andrew Thomas doesn't allow pressures. But the right side of this offensive line, led by a rookie in Evan Neal, you talk about a welcome to the NFL playoffs moment. Go take on that pass rush because yeah. they have been beastly all season long. I also think uh, Saquon Barkley's looking at 10 receptions in this game because that's you're going to have to take their strength and make it a weakness. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to have some sacks. I mean, they're the best in the, in the league at it. And as I view it, let them come in, get Saquon behind that rush, and give him the rock. I would not be surprised if Saquon gets 12, 13 uh, targets. Well, you know what else? I they, really wouldn't. They've struggled with, and it's tough to find too many things the Eagles have struggled with because they had a great year. I mean, if you look at the whole 17 games, even the games where there were injuries, they had a brilliant, brilliant season. They struggled against mobile quarterbacks. Quarterbacks can beat them with their legs. And one thing we saw from Daniel Jones last week, and really we've seen it throughout his NFL career, he can burn you. Yeah. And unlike in years past, and this is the monumental difference between Daniel Jones and this giant offense this year and last year. Last year, they turned the ball over more than any other team in the NFL. This year, they're stingy as hell. Yep. They don't turn the ball over. They've turned the ball over the second fewest times of any team in the league. And that has been, when you talk about the big turnarounds of this giant team, that's number one. Yep. To Listen. say that Daniel Jones and the giant offense protects the football greatly, if I said that to you a year ago, you would have slapped me backside of the head. 100%. So what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. You know, it's funny. Sometimes the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I had this weird epiphany while I was uh, eating a, uh Italian sandwich on a pretzel roll, courtesy of my friends at Not of This World. Uh, and I, I went into a food coma for a moment, and I said, you know, it's funny. The New York Giants are in the playoffs, and I think we've both, and I think a lot of the people listening, have gotten to a place where, not that we're guaranteeing it, not that we're even predicting it, but we can fathom figuring out a road, a, a little roadmap to the Giants beating the Eagles. Right. And I don't think any of us think it's not a close game. I think even if we say we, you, know, you give the edge to the Eagles as you should, I don't think any of, any one of us are going to now predict the Eagles win by 30. One score game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's where we're going to be. Yeah. I think that's most likely uh, where we're going to be. At least a one-score game late. If you told me Eagles scored a four-minute right, touchdown right, 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 and made right, right, two, right. yeah. Yes. But I think it's a one-score game late. Yes. And the New York Jets are a dysfunctional mess. <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, you know, I kind of felt like, like New York's kind of undergone this huge change sports-wise. Right. And the reality is that it hasn't. No, it's the same. It's like it's like if you fell asleep 25 years ago and, whoop, and woke up, yeah, the Yankees are coming off a playoff run, right? The Knicks aren't going to the, uh, you aren't doing much. They're a 500 team, a little bit above, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nets... Recently, obviously, without KD, eh, who knows what they are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the two teams we care most about right now, the Jets are a mess, the Giants are in the playoffs. Yeah. What's changed? That's most years the of same my... same damn thing every freaking year. That's most years of my existence on this earth. 
Like, we had a respite, really, for the last decade where the Giants joined the dysfunction. Right. And they really did. But we didn't do anything different as no, Jets. No. We were the same old Jets. The Jets jetsed, but the Giants joined us. Yes. So, misery had company for the last decade. And look, to the Giants' credit, or lack of credit, their dysfunction was off the roof. I mean, Joe Judge is calling quarterback sneaks. Like, he's yelling at the meat. He's blaming former coaches. Like, the Giants were peak mess. They bench Eli Manning. Here comes Geno Smith. Little did we know he'd be good in a few years. Peak mess. But here we are. You're right. In January of 2023. Same crap. And it's just like 2011. Giants, or 2007. Giants are two games away from a Super Bowl. The New York Jets have to read an article about how Elijah Moore uh, told uh, LaFleur to shut the F up in a meeting. He told. <laughs> right. I mean, what are we talking about? What Elijah Moore said actually made me laugh. I was reading this article, and I, I, I started laughing. Because if you remember back when Elijah Moore demanded the trade, they sent him home. We know yeah, that story. Yeah, home for the day. Right. We and then he didn't travel to them that game. Okay. And then after that game, they allowed him to come back Figuring that, I think the words from Sala were, he needed to cool off. Okay, well, what did he need to cool off from? We now know. It wasn't the trade demand. He was actually practicing that day. It was when he stormed off the field, looked at LaFleur and said, you bleeping suck. You're terrible. <laughs> and he you stormed. suck. And that, that's what he said. And by the way, Elijah, if you're listening, touche. Like, <laughs> I can't say you're wrong. I mean, after off of one single season in the NFL, he actually told an offensive coordinator in a meeting, you effing suck, <laughs> yes. and didn't think that that was going to be dealt with in some way. How was it dealt with? He got sent home, and within a few weeks, he was back on the field. And he was not Dr. Paycheck either. No. That game that he missed, he got paid for that game, as I understand it. He was showing his emotion, man. Yeah. And then he became a, a bigger part of the offense <laughs> later in the year. Well, he became a bigger right? part of the offense because Mike White was the quarterback. Yeah. And that but, was the uh, crux. You know, uh, it's just it's so fascinating. And I'm not, listen, it's disrespectful to do what he did. And it's a young, immature, emotional guy. And, you know, you don't excuse it, uh, but you understand it. When you're coming off the rookie season he had, which was a great rookie year, right? We thought, wow, Elijah Moore is going to be a badass second-year wide receiver. He's going in the right direction. We were thrilled with him. Sure. And they were like, wait a minute, we said the same thing about Denzel Mims a year ago. Right, and then we get Garrett Wilson. Oh, another wide receiver. Yeah, what does that mean? And you see how the offense struggled, and then you find out he's cursing out the coordinator. The You're like, what? And then everyone's giving Robert Sala for, for quelling the riot? What? <laughs> Here's the problem. Obviously, he shouldn't be yelling, and this is a quote, go bleep yourself. No, that was an actual quote. By the way, you should be suspended right. and fined for it if you're running a real organization. Again, totally wrong, shouldn't have said it. And then he says, you suck. But if you're a Jet fan and you've watched this offense the you last couple of it. years, is there not a part of you that wants to live vicariously through Elijah Moore saying that to the offensive coordinator? Well, I mean, we all said it about uh, the owner, the coordinator, the coach, the GM <laughs> at some point. At any right? point on a Sunday, did you ever right. stand up in front of your TV and scream, you suck? Yes. Of course you did. Yeah, we have. There's no doubt about that. We, cer we certainly have. So from that standpoint, Elijah Moore was speaking our language. But what's really fascinating about the uh, the story is how it really goes out of its way, almost to the point where I felt like Robert Sala was the source. Oh, well. Like, didn't you get the sense, like, so, wow, he's really go bending over backwards so, to make Sala look like a champion? So it's interesting, in reading this article at the beginning of it, and I advise you read it, it's at The Athletic, Zach Rosenblatt did the reporting. He mentions that they got this story from a lot of unnamed players 
from people around the Jet organization. So it honestly could be anybody. Yeah. But they got it from inside yeah, the organization. It's Robert Sala, dude. But it does paint Sala in a more positive light than other figures in this story. It makes it look like, at least my, and I didn't read it three or four times, just once. It makes it look like Robert Sala was a combination of Mother Teresa, Gandhi, <laughs> and, and quelled so many little brush fires that we should give him an award for the job he did in keeping it all together. Like winning seven games was a miracle, right. considering what was going on specifically on the offense throughout this year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Did you get that same sense? So to me, I always feel uh, like whoever you say the most nice, positive things about is most likely your source. Yeah, I mean, right? I, to a degree, not to the same level as you. Like, I definitely thought it painted him in a more positive light than it did LaFleur or Zach Wilson or Elijah Moore or a lot of the other pro protagonists. What's the word? Prota protagonists. Pro protagonists sure, in this story. Uh -huh. But I didn't walk away from it thinking he's Vince Lombardi. I didn't walk away from it thinking he deserves a Nobel Peace no, Prize. No, but you, uh, you walked away from it saying, boy, how did this guy, of course this guy's coming back for year three. No, no, yeah. That's how I viewed it. Yeah, yeah, but I also walk away from it saying they better fix it. Yeah. And that's really the biggest thing. Well, you takeaway. fixed it by getting a different quarterback. No, that's by obvious. getting another quarterback and get, by getting another offensive coordinator, yeah. thinking that's going to unlock Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and the and, rest of all this talent on offense. And how about the, you got to fix it. How about the fact that it was, the dislike of Zach Wilson was palpable? No, they didn't like him. Right? And I told you that from day one that he was going to have an issue in this locker room because he's not one of the guys. I didn't, I didn't know I'd be right okay, about that. Okay, but here's why I don't think that's it. Because one of the things Zach Wilson was praised about from players, unnamed players in the story, was the way he had that little summer workout last year. Remember the whole workout yeah, yeah, thing? Yeah, I do, yep. That, you know, he came across like a good dude. A lot of the players had a good experience with him. My takeaway on why they don't like Zach Wilson is because he wasn't executing the offense well enough to get them involved. Well, I mean, sure. Like, the reason that. why I think Elijah Moore loved Mike Bleepin' White was because Mike White got him the football. He threw him the ball and he threw it in the right place. And at the yeah. end of the day, friendships, or he's one of the guys, or he's a buddy, what these guys want, and I don't blame him as an athlete, is you want to succeed. You want to be in the best position to succeed. Anyone in the NFL has to have a huge ego because you were damn good growing up in high school. You were damn good playing peewee football. You think you're the best player on that field. Right. And you have to. to a man, everybody on that offense looked at Zach Wilson and pretty much said, he doesn't make me better. He doesn't get me the football. Yet other guys did. And I think that, to me, is where the dislike or the distrust of Zach Wilson came from. Well, listen, we'll get all the Jets throughout today. And, of course, Giants, Eagles. Uh, there's now a video showing uh, Jason Kelsey and the Giants cheating on a short yard of situations. We know that they cheated in the field goal game by bringing a mini T out there for field goals. And now that those two things will not happen on Saturday night, the New York Giants have an edge. And there's nothing better than having an edge when it comes to a playoff football game against a hated rival. Oh, I'm so giddy for this game. I cannot wait.